Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the next episode of the Mindful You podcast. My name is Alan Carroll, and I'm your host as we explore together conversations from fellow travelers who are going down the mindful path in the variety of different forms. And today, we have Kevin Palmieri. Kevin Palmieri has done over 1,500 podcasts. He's the founder of the Next Level University, a global top 100 self-improvement podcast. Over 1,500 episodes. 850,000 people have listened over the last six years in over 125 countries. And so he has lots of conversations, lots of experiences dealing with relationships, dealing with commitments, habits, mindsets, mindfulness, responsibility, the reactive part, the responsive part. And in my conversation with Kevin, it was like playing catch. I would throw a ball, he would throw it back, because he has a lot of similar insights as you walk the mindfulness path. So I am excited to be able to share with you today, Kevin Palmieri. Please welcome Kevin to the Mindful You podcast. Thank you. Welcome. Welcome, Kevin, Paul, Mary, to the Mindful You podcast. What a pleasure to have you joining us today. Likewise, my friend. I'm doing very, very well. I appreciate the time. I'm excited to chat. We had a little brief conversation behind the scenes, and you're wonderful. So I'm sure our conversation together will be as well. I agree. I agree. I'm I'm very much into the uh, omens of in indicators of future things and just your vibration, your energy, the clarity of your ability to articulate the thoughts that you are wanting to formulate. Wonderful. Thank Plus you. I I told you I really love the background. Love I love the I I love the background. <laughs> I am talking it. about background give us a little bit of your background, Kevin. So we have a sense about what are some of the events that have shaped you and have directed you down that path where you are developing that mindfulness way of being and then contributing and then being of service to others, bringing that mindfulness to other people. So give us a little bit of a, a tour of, of your of your history. Yeah, I would say if we were thinking of my life as a journey, there would be a couple attractions probably worth visiting. I would say, first of all, I was raised in a household by my mom and my grandmother. I didn't know my dad. I didn't meet my dad until I was 27. So obviously that plays a role in a young man's life, trying to figure out what all that means. Is it my fault? 
And obviously we can dive into that. Other than that, Alan, something very unique happened to me when I was in high school. I realized pretty early on that I didn't want to go to college. I said, I don't know what I want to do with my life, but I don't think I want to go pay somebody a lot of money to help me figure it out when I think it's up to me. I have to figure this out by myself. So after high school, I stayed back. I lived in the town that I grew up in and I pumped gas at the local gas station. I ended up being a personal trainer, truck driver, forklift operator, construction worker. I worked at a hospital, many, many, many different things. I eventually got a job that was very financially lucrative. And when I got this job, I thought to myself, this is it. This external success, this external validation, this external significance is going to fix all of the internal voids that I have been unconscious of slash running from for my entire life. So if you look at that again, the unconscious. Yeah, the, the unconscious, I would say inner voids. Okay. Right. The the stuff that I I assumed nice cars, money, beautiful partner. I assumed uh, fitness, right? Being having a nice body. I assumed all of that would fix the internal stuff that I had going on. So there was something missing internally. And then you thought based on the world in which we live, the acquiring of physical objects that will make people happy. And you began to acquire the physical objects. And now you're saying, you know what, Alan, I acquired a lot of great physical objects and it didn't change the stuff inside of my, inside of me. Yes. Yeah. When I was, when I was 25, I had, I was making anywhere from 60 to $120 an hour, depending on where I was working and what the contract was. My girlfriend at the time was a model. I had just competed in and won a bodybuilding show. I had a, a sports car, a new apartment, health, wealth, and love. Everything seemed hey, like it was, right? It seemed like it, it was overflowing. But my girlfriend ended up leaving me and I had to figure out what all that meant. Work got slow and I was struggling financially. The next year was the most abundant year I've ever had in terms of finances. But I still ended up sitting on the edge of a bed contemplating suicide the year after that. So you can see that there was, in the beginning, I don't think there was a lot of hope for Kevin. Didn't go to college, was doing a lot of odd jobs, trying to figure out life. Got a really good job and got a lot of significance. So I'm starting to trend upward. Then I start to trend down because my mental health is is suffering. So I ended up leaving that job in 2018 and going full-time into podcasting. And here we are almost seven years later and or six years later. And that's what I do every single day. So the, the real big attractions in my life were growing up without a dad, trying to figure out what that that really means, not going to college and dealing with the judgment that potentially would come with that. And then really acquiring everything I assumed would make me feel whole internally, realizing it didn't, losing all of it just to regain all and more plus becoming more self-aware, becoming more fulfilled, which is a word I love to use, and understanding that the external and the internal world are connected. But I think all things considered, the internal world is probably more important because when you work on the internal, you can create external. External doesn't come internal, I don't think. I don't really think it works like that, at least for me. Yeah, the uh, it's often, it's, it's been said that the 
what you think inside your mind and what you see out in the world are the same thing. Mm. And if you can alter the thinking inside your mind, the the movie that you watch on the outside is going to match perfectly uh, with what you think. And so by looking at the internal, which is the journey of mindfulness, then you begin to start to explore. So let's talk about the things that you feel, you, you don't feel balanced, uh, you feel, you, you don't feel happy, mm. uh, you physical objects don't do it. And so then you start your journey, you start with mind, we start with podcasting. And how did you, when you chose the path of podcasting, what about the self-awareness piece? What about the mindfulness piece? Uh, how did you, you know, fall into that one? Yeah, it's it's very unique. So the name of my podcast when I first started, it was called The Hyperconscious Podcast, Acutely Aware. I want to know everything about myself. And it came from this. The year that I made the most money, I was opening my final pay stub of the year. And I cracked it open and I made $100,000 at 26 with no college degree. Expectation, I'm going to feel amazing. This is going to be great. Nothing changed. So I said to myself, Alan, for most of my life, especially this year, I have lived I've lived unconsciously. I don't know why I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm just kind of going through the motions. The opposite of unconscious is hyperconscious. That's where that all came from. And then I started a podcast called the Hyperconscious Podcast, and I became obsessed with understanding myself at a deeper level. And it all started with me asking myself, why? Why am I afraid of this? Why am I attracted to this? Why do I feel safe around this type of person? Why do I feel intimidated around this type of person? It just started with me trying to figure out, it was almost like I was troubleshooting myself. Why is this not working? Why is this working? For context, when, when I logged on, you said your audio sounds really good. We've been having a lot of audio issues. I don't have the awareness to understand why it's happening. I don't know why yet. I can't figure it out. I can't reverse engineer how to fix it. So I was really troubleshooting my life and saying, okay, what's what's working, what's not? And I want to add too quick. A lot of the things I had did bring me momentary bouts of happiness, but they never brought me sustainable levels of fulfillment. And I think those are things that we often get confused. I bought a brand new car recently and I cried driving off the lot because I was so grateful and I proved myself right. And I was so proud of myself. It would fulfill me. It doesn't change the being and the character of who Kevin is. And it's not something I'm going to, it's going to change me sustainably forever. It does bring me bouts of happiness when I get in it. I love it. What fulfills me is working really hard towards a meaningful mission and doing back to back to back to back podcasts all day, because I believe I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm growing and contributing towards something far greater than myself. So I do think external things can bring momentary bouts of happiness. I think fulfillment is the inner game that a lot of us are looking for. I like the idea of, of finding a path in which you get to contribute and be of service to others. And it seems like when you give something out, the feeling that you get is fulfillment. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the taking things and putting it in, eh, not, not much fulfillment, like the car and the people and the good and that, but there's something about finding a purpose in life that's greater than the acquisition of material goods. 
that is more of a spiritual conversation of how can we you know get people out of the the dungeons of their of their mind and to the light of of, of heaven if you wanted to use those those terms mm. and uh, and, and so hyper consciousness uh, <laughs> mindfulness a way of looking at mindfulness is being aware of what's there mm-hmm. without being hooked by what's there you're able to see what's there and and to me in in mindfulness business that's called the witness or the observer of of what's so and and it sounds as though you have achieved uh, clearly that state of consciousness where you have developed the witness and the observer part of you is that true uh, it's a work in I have I have moments where it doesn't necessarily go that way but yeah, I'm working there's a lot of there's a lot of pressure behind the scenes that you never notice it looks really cool and I'm a podcaster I podcast for a living but we have a very big business there's a lot going on so I test it often when it comes to mindfulness when it comes to self-awareness I had a moment today Alan where I, I had a moment today where I was getting out of the shower and I had eight minutes before my first meeting and I noticed how quickly I was putting on my shirt and putting on my deodorant and putting on my cologne. And I said, Kev, just take a second here, take a breath and just put your shirt on like a normal day. Because what you're doing is you're creating more anxiety for yourself by whipping around the house, trying to get things done super fast. Walk at a normal pace, put your shirt on, put your deodorant on. You're going to create more anxiety and more uncertainty by showing up in the way you're showing up. That was a really important piece of mindfulness to me. But it, I have moments where it's not that simple for sure. Well, let's just talk about that because the, uh, the it, it, mindfulness is, is as simple as noticing that I put my button twice (laughs) why did it take me twice because i wasn't there the first time Mm. if i'm there the first time only takes one time to button and that that's a great example of of easy stuff of mindfulness is not the mountain the 20 years with the guru in india in the himalayas mindfulness is oh noticing it took me twice to button the shirt and and that was a beautiful, easy way of describing Thank you. that observation to be able to witness the fact that I am rushing. And as soon as you can witness it, you can then have a, a, another voice that that takes command and tells you, hey, Kev, hey, chill, baby. It's OK. It's all right. Just take a breath, Kev. There you go resettle 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 ah okay all right and you still made the meeting uh, that 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 is definitely hyper consciousness thank you to use to, to, that's if that's what hyper consciousness means and that's exactly what what i believe mindfulness is about likewise and i wonder i think one of the keys to mindfulness is understanding your ego 
because it's very hard to be mindful without being vulnerable with yourself. It's it's a challenge. And I think the other thing too is part of mindfulness is understanding your reactions and responses to people, places, things, ideas, and feelings. Right. I think that's one of the one of my favorite stories, Alan. This is one of the things that shifted me forever. My business partner, myself, and one of our friends, we were working out. We were down in Florida for an event that we were co-hosting with one of my friends. And in the gym, I've spent a decade, more than a decade working out. So I feel very confident, very centered. I'm very certain. So 10 out of 10 confident. At the end, we finish our workout and we sit down in this gym and we're having a conversation about business. And I had all this stuff come up. I was like, these two guys are, they just have an ego and they're arrogant when it comes to business. And I don't like them. I don't like them right now. And I sat there and I said, is this a me problem or is this a them problem? And I kept sitting with it and I didn't want to answer it. I didn't want to sit with that. But what I came with was they are far more certain than I am when it comes to business. And rather than admitting that and being vulnerable, I'm making them wrong. I'm villainizing them. So I don't have to see the actual truth. And that was a a moment that pivoted a lot for me. And it brought a, a, a lot of realization that the way, much to what you said in the beginning, the way I see people is a lot of that is because of what I'm feeling inside. And if I'm feeling uncertain, I might say, Alan is making me feel uncertain. That's not necessarily true. And then I might treat Alan a certain way and he'll treat me a way back and that'll lock in that belief. Self-awareness, mindfulness, intentionality, I think are just as big when it comes to other people, when it comes to other stimuli, really. Because when you're with yourself, you can take a second and sit. When there's people around you, it's really, it's really important and challenging to be able to do it in real time. That's a that's another layer of hyperconsciousness, really. Real time. Mm. In the moment. The ability to wake up and realize that you were asleep is what I hear you talking about. And the the waking up process, you have to let go of something. And what you talk about was, oh, those, those are guys all ego. <laughs> and, and you were painting that picture in your mind. And son of a gun, they, you can see that's all ego. See those people, the tone of voice, the way they're acting, it's all ego. I'm right, I'm right. And then you said to yourself, Kev, is there a, is it a them or a you issue? Is it me? Is it, what? what da, da, da. And then you had the realization, mm-hmm. self-realization, that the paintbrush is in your hand and you can paint it any way you want. Uh, and so you realize that you had to let go of being right, which is the ego and the thoughts. And you began to paint another picture in your mind that these people, maybe they do know something and maybe they do have knowledge. Maybe they are confident. Maybe they have earned more than I have. Maybe they have earned the right to speak and maybe they have more credibility. So maybe I need to be more humble and let go and listen and open myself up and embrace that 
negative ego thing you're talking about and realize it's it's a gift from god it's not it's not a negative ego it's a self-realization that you you, you discovered in your own reality uh, the whole idea that you were projecting and you don't have to do that yeah my ego is trying to protect me from the truth that i didn't understand i was ready for yet and i think that's that's what our ego does i mean my wife and i have some really challenging conversations at time and my ego's there it's like it's waiting it's like ah you could say this you could say this and you wouldn't have to get to the root of the truth and you could walk away and be a great conversation but you have to say is that is that what's best is that what's best for this conversation is that what's best for my relationship ego plays it's important it's important to have an ego that keeps you safe at times but there are certain people you can be vulnerable around and you'll also find if you use your ego the negative pieces with those people your relationships are not going to flourish at the level they could. The people you can be the most vulnerable around, one of the reasons why is because you don't need your ego because you feel safe. Those are also probably some of the best relationships we have. I always say the level of your relationship is directly connected to the level of vulnerability in it. I feel like you and I would have a really good friendship behind the scenes because I think we could be very vulnerable with each other. I feel very safe here. I don't. Have, there's no ego. There's no protectors for me right now. But if you were somebody who is toxic, it wouldn't be that way. If I was somebody who is toxic, it wouldn't be that way. We would have our egos up to keep us safe, to protect us. So yeah, the ego is a is a very unique, deep thing to think about and talk about. Well, it's part of the game. Of course. The ego is one of the words that is used to describe something that is the source of suffering. And the being or the mindfulness of the spirit is something that we use to describe where you want to get to. And so then how do you move from the ego identity to the being identity or the God-like consciousness? And what you what you said is, is my observation is it's simply to observe the thoughts that are creating the tension in your body and ask yourself, is this tension in my body something that I think is good to me or, or not? Um, and and making angry and upset at you is causing tension in my body. So maybe I should stop causing tension in my body and start vibrating the air with more love and see what happens. Mm-hmm. And so you've made a, a shift in conscience, which is one of the benefits of mindfulness is you, you now have in front of you choice. <laughs> and so you've reached a level of awareness in which you can now choose, not that you always make the right choice right but the way the way you're speaking is that you have enough binoculars of the situation in front of you that you're able to make a spiritual choice a a loving choice a compassionate choice an empathetic choice rather than an ego right i'm wrong and you not as you need to check that kind of a choice <laughs> and boy which which is which one is no suffering well the mm-hmm. one in which you let go no suffering there. The suffering is, um, boy, that's really exciting that I'm talking to somebody who, who, who's, who's in that one, Kev. Mm, I appreciate in, it. Who, who understands you fire a bullet, but, but there's a recoil. Mm. And so if you fire a bullet, make it a love bullet. You don't need to make it a, a negative bullet because that, that ricochets back and hurts you. It's, uh, it's definitely a challenging road. It's definitely a, a challenging road. When... We'll make this full circle. I met my dad when I was 27. That was the first time I ever met my father. So I got a, I was sitting on my couch in New Hampshire 
and I got a message on Facebook. It went to this private folder for people that you're not friends with. I didn't even know it existed. So I opened this message and it said, hey, Kev, I'm blank. I'm your father's girlfriend. And I remember throwing my phone on the floor and saying, absolutely not. We are not doing this today. This is not happening today. It's the weekend. Nope, not going to do it. Then I got curious and I picked up my phone and it said, hey, Kev, I'm blank. I'm your father's girlfriend. Your father has seen you on Facebook and he is very proud of you. And if you would like the opportunity to meet, he would love that. And I remember thinking, absolutely not. This is not ever going to happen. But I sat with it. I sat with it. I sat with it. The reason I didn't want to do it is because I was afraid. I had said so many negative things about this person because I never thought I was going to meet him. I never thought this opportunity was going to present itself. So I have said some bad things, some negative things, some, some not so nice things. And I remember I texted one of my friends and I said, my, my dad reached out and they said, are you going to go see him? And I said, yeah, yeah, I have to. I know it's a knowing I have to, I know this is a big part of the man you see in front of you. I have to figure this out. So I met my dad, we got lunch at this diner. And when I was sitting across from him, and I don't mean this to sound negative, I looked at somebody who I had given so much power to, so much much of my being to energetically. And I had villainized him so much, but he was not self-aware. He was not well-developed. He was like a child to me. And that allowed me to understand that number one, I can forgive this person, not for him, but for me. Let me forgive him because he didn't know any better. I'm more developed than him and I'm 27 years old. I'm way more developed than he is. I can be the bigger man and I can let this go. So one, let me forgive him, not for him, but for me. And two, let me understand that the person I have given all this power to create darkness over my life for the last 27 years doesn't deserve it and isn't capable of it. When I left that day, I was a different man. You bet. For sure. I was a different man. And- I felt empowered and I felt like things had gaps had closed that I needed closed. So that's another mindfulness, self-awareness thing. Oftentimes we get, we get pings, we get knocks, we get downloads, whatever you want to call them. And there are things that are going to scare us a lot. Oftentimes the things that scare you the most are also the things that are going to create the most, the most growth. And that is one of the things that one of the hardest things I've ever done by far was go see my dad. It was also probably not coincidentally one of the things that facilitated the most amount of growth in my life. And that's just another example of mindfulness, self-awareness, being brave, courage, whatever you want to label it as. The I the face, face the fear and the death of fear is certain. Mm. Is one of the mantras and it, so you face the fear of meeting your father and and what you discovered in meeting your father was uh, that you lived in a a hallucination mm. about your father and you lived there hey my father that's the way it is mm-hmm. and then when you actually saw your father you you still you still sort of tried to paint him the way you want him to be in order for the ego to be satisfied that I'm right. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, your father, he didn't show up that way. And so mm-hmm. you you had to break down something. You had to knock something down, uh, which which 
which in my world, we call that a big grievance, a big piece of crap that you carry on your back. (laughs) And when you forgave your father, you were released. And all that energy that you were using to keep that grievance alive is now available to do more of God's work. Uh, And so you are, it's like, it's like being baptized. It's like you are, it's almost like a baptism of, of, it's such a tremendous shift in awareness. It's like, wow, that's a, that's a, it's another great example of a great milestone. uh, And, and you are willing to die. Almost a feeling of death. It's, It's like you, 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 you let go, you open up, take me. Take me. I, 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 I give up. Mm. And and boy, the what you harvest, the fruit of that was like, whoo, all you're not the man you were. Yeah. And it, it taught me a lot about fear too. A lot of the things that I'm afraid of, I feel amazing after I do them. Speaking on stage, I'm very confident as a podcaster. I've done so many episodes. I haven't done 1,500 speeches. So when I get on stage, it is like, oh my goodness, this is the most vulnerable thing in the world. But afterwards, I always feel so good. It, it That's another thing. We, I think a lot of us are creating our fears. We're creating, what happens is we create a fear. I could never be a public speaker. And then every opportunity we have to face that fear, we avoid it. So we actually build the fear bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And I say this all the time, anybody whether you're watching or listening, you could be a podcaster like I am and get to 1500 episodes, but you just got to go through the first 300 episodes of suck where you're just not going to be that good. I was terrible for the first 150. I was not confident. I didn't believe in myself, but I kept going. I kept going. I kept going. I think that's just the journey of life. When you ride a bike for the first time, unless you're just a natural, you got your training wheels on and you're just trying to figure it out. The problem is later in life, we forget about the humility it took to put the training wheels on. I don't want to put training wheels on now, but sometimes you have to, and that's okay. You're going to make more progress because of it. So tapping into the ego yet again. That ego is flying around all over the place. Of course, everywhere. You 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 said a, a an important couple of words in the mindfulness business when you said, you were able to shift a reaction to a response mm. to the event that is in front of you. And let's just let's let's use that as our last sort of question and then we'll find out you know how we can meet you and connect with you. Sure. So give give us your your sense about the differences and how do you do it and what it is and reacting versus responding. <laughs> I, I have an analogy. I call it pinball. So my wife and I'll have a, a challenging conversation. She'll say something. I might get triggered. And I all in my mind, it's pinball. I want to take my thought. And I want to bounce it off that wall, off that wall, off that wall, off that flipper, off that thing, off that thing. And let me just knock some of this dust off. Because oftentimes the first thing we say is not the truth. The first thing we say is the safest thing. It's the triggered thing. It's the ego thing. It's the punch you back thing. It's to get a jab in, not to get the truth in. So for me, reacting is just unconscious. When Maybe this has happened, whether you're watching or listening. When I drop a knife off the counter, my natural reaction is to put my foot out to try to catch it. Not good. 
not good, not a good, not a good idea. I, that's just the way I am. If I, if something's falling, I try to catch it. It's just a natural human response for me. That's a response. It's unconscious. I'm not thinking about it. If I was thinking about it, I would never do it. That's a terrible idea. A reaction is conscious. A reaction is me consciously saying, oh, that thing is falling. Oh, that's a knife. It's going to be fine. If it hits the floor, it's going to be fine. Now, if we were to take that a layer deeper, I have two cats. I love my cats. I'm the ultimate cat dad. I'm branding myself that way. If one of my cats was standing under the knife, my reaction and my response would probably be the same. One would be unconscious. I'm not thinking about the cats. The other would be hyper-conscious. I am thinking about the cats. I'd rather take a knife in the foot than one of them take a knife in the head. I'll, I'll heal a lot quicker than they will. I think a reaction is unconscious. And oftentimes, I, I don't want to say, yeah, triggered is probably the best word. A response is thought of. A response is what you do when you get an email. You respond. You don't react. You respond. You take time. That's why emails are usually written with a lot of length rather than saying, hey, screw you. You write something out. Hey, Alan, I got your email. And the way I felt when you said blank or I know you want to get the project done for this amount of time. Unfortunately, we can't do it. When my reaction is, no, we could never do that. My response is, this is more of my truth. So I like to think of a response as more conscious and a reaction is kind of just the first thing that comes to your mind, even though it's not always the serving thing that comes to your mind. You you mentioned that the time, you now have time to think about how you want to respond versus mm -hmm. that automatic reaction based on your conditioning. How do you create the time? How do you become that conscious? Because most people, it's an automatic reaction. Yeah. You're saying, I noticed the automatic reaction, but I'm able to stay present and then shift it over to respond. How did you develop that time piece? Ask for it. Especially if you're communicating with someone to say, hey, can I have a minute to process? That, that started for me. I don't know what I want to say yet. So I need to figure out what I want to say because... And also, after a certain amount of time, you start to figure out, oh, yeah, yeah. Every time I have a disagreement with someone, I just say the first thing that comes to my mind, and I don't know, it's not working. It just doesn't seem to be working very well for me. So I, I, I always try to give credit to the people around me. I'm surrounded by a lot of amazing people. My wife's amazing. So I can say to her, or she can say to me, hey, I need a minute. I need a minute. And she'll walk away, or I'll walk away, and I'll figure out and process, and we'll come back, and we'll meet at a more calm place. So I would say that having the right people around is one of the best cheat codes for life because it makes everything a little bit easier. Having the wrong people around is something very challenging because it makes everything a little bit harder, unfortunately. So I would say it starts with that when it comes to people. And a lot of it is just internal dialogue. When I, oh, I think about everything. I'm always thinking about stuff. Always. I, I was dating a young lady one time and she said, Kev, you think too much. And I was like, this isn't going to work. Because I do. I think a lot. I don't think I think too much. I think I, I think a lot. And I think that's good. So just becoming familiar with what your inner dialogue is. Right now, the inner dialogue that I'm working through is I tend to say no by default. So my wife will say, hey, are you able to blank? And I won't think about it. I'll just say no. I'm too busy. And I have 12 calls that I'm too busy. 
I'm working on reformulating that to that is me. That is a trauma response. I'm overwhelmed. I say, no, no more. I can't do any more. Don't put it on my plate. But I also understand she doesn't feel heard when I do that. I'm not even hearing. I'm just saying, no. Hey, Kev, can you? No, can't. So that's something I'm working on right now. It's a it's a game I think everybody on the mindfulness path plays. Mm. It's the self-aware, not self-aware, self-aware, not self-aware. And when you want to increase your statistic of being aware in the moment, and most people are unaware, but they think they are aware until you develop that the witness or the observer. Yeah. And you're able to 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 create the time based on works doesn't work. Uh, you know, it doesn't work when I react so quickly. Hmm. Why don't I shift that behavior? Let me let me figure out another strategy that I can use in that moment. I'm not sure what it is because I'm, I'm a beginner, so I'm going to make lots of mistakes. So you start to fumble, but you but you 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 interrupt or disrupt the automaticity of the reaction, hmm. and that 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 short circuits the 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 pattern. <laughs> Um, and then you then you you take the red pill and you wake up from the pattern that you didn't even know you were in. Mm. Um, and so that is allows you to be still in the movie. Yeah. And if you're still, you have clarity about mm. what's what would be the best choice. And most people are not still. They are <laughs> bodies not still, their thoughts aren't still, and so there's constant reaction, reaction, reaction. So congratulations on uh, achieving at a young age, uh, uh, and you get to practice. See, it's like I, I, you get to practice. It's a uh, yeah. here I'm a little further down the road. I get to practice every day. Awareness, awareness of the thoughts that I'm thinking, yeah. and and telling myself, is that thought healthy? For me to get upset at you, nope. Right. Let it go. So the we're gonna we're gonna complete this particular part of the conversation, and but there's there's uh, there's lots of other things that I would like to discuss at some future time. Of course, if that works for you, Kev. Hundred percent. Because the forgive piece is a is a big piece of yeah. of the game, and so we could devote a whole podcast just on forgiveness and what forgiveness is. I'm in. And I would like to give you an opportunity just to say whatever you like to say to to complete. And also, how do we connect with you? And all this will be in the show notes. Yet some people won't read the show notes, maybe. <laughs> but how how can people connect with you? Yeah, I, I, the last thing I would say is, I think one of the the things that we struggle with the most as humans is we see where someone is and we assume they've been there forever and we see where we are and we assume we'll be there forever. And you, you mentioned it, time is a wonderful multiplier or it's a negative multiplier, depends on what you're doing. So if you're focused on being more self-aware, give yourself a year. More mindful, give yourself a year. More patient, give yourself a year. It adds up. It might not seem like on the day-to-day anything is happening because it really isn't. But when you add up one by 365, it adds up. So that would be my little closing statement. And then, yeah, if you want to check out our podcast, it's called Next Level University. We do an episode every single day on life, love, health, and wealth. That's our brand in a nutshell. And if you have any questions for me, 
whatever it may be, feedback, anything, Kevin at nextleveluniverse.com is my email. I do my own emails, so I'm happy to hear from you and or assist and add value in any way I can. Wonderful. Kevin, thank you very much for sharing with our audience the your journey and all the wonderful little stars of bright stars of insights that 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 illuminated things for you along along that path. So wonderful stories, powerful stories. Thank so you. I appreciate the, the openness and the vulnerability of, of sharing with our audience. Thank you of very course. much. Thank Kevin. you, Alan. I appreciate you. You're welcome. Bye bye for now. Thank you for listening. And please catch us on the next great episode of the Mindful You podcast. And please share us with your friends and fellow travelers on the path.